Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure alongside Michael Molinari. Uh, it is the final week of the regular season. It's Thanksgiving. Fellas, I'm, I'm thankful for you. Thankful for us. I'm thankful for your life. How are we doing? Yogi, did you see what we just saw there? Anybody, anybody who's watching us, did you see Michael with a little royal wave? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to what how could I be anything? How how could anything give us more thanks than that? Michael Molinari well, doing the very English royal wave. Like, yeah, I, I, as, I assume no one knows who the hell I am. They know you too. So I let people know who the hell is this Molinari guy when Yoki says my name. <laughs> I like it. The royal wave. Oh, well, somebody going down in royalty is Kyle Whittingham, all-time leader in wins at the University of Utah. If anybody watched the CFP ranking show last night, uh, there's there were four voices on that show. Three of them used the word smashed when they described Utah and Oregon last week. Um, and it was a beatdown, right? Utah wins at home. Huge win. Kyle you know, him and Jonathan Smith, to me, fellas, are, you know, the, kind of the last two here for coach of the year in, in our league. Yeah. I'll be honest. I obviously didn't see that. I thought Oregon would be able to win and meet the moment on the road like they had at Ohio State. What did you think? Like, we were calling a game in real time, but when you went back and, and looked at that, I think that's the storyline. They win the South. They're on their way to Vegas for the Pac-12 title. Um, I think that's where we got to kick off today's dialogue. Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick because, as you said, we were all working, all of us. So I watched the game back on Sunday. Simple. I mean, it was it, we saw, as I borrow my old partner's phrase, we saw a supreme scientific whooping in the big game. I saw another one in Salt Lake City. That's what that was. That was just Utah just absolutely crushing Oregon in the line of scrimmage. I feel like we've said this about Oregon teams in the past, and this year does not relate to four years ago, I know, but I feel like the theme of this has been when Oregon needs to run and when Oregon needs to stop the run against the top teams, can they do that? And they sure could not do that. That was vintage Utah football that we've seen. And here they are standing at the end of the year to me with two things. One is they're the best team in the conference. Um, still have to win Colorado and then the champ game to, to fulfill their biggest goal, Rose Bowl. And two is, you know, I, I feel for them because there's going to be a what if in the back of their mind. What if Rising had been our guy from week one? And and you, that's part of sport. I know, but you can't, I can't avoid thinking about it. Well, you, I, I think you, you win, you dominate the line of scrimmage. 99% of the time, you're going to win the game. And from the beginning to the end, there was no doubt which of those teams dominated the line of scrimmage. And I, I think the other what if for that Utah team was – the game up in Corvallis that we did. I mean, they had that game one and Oregon state just took it from them. So those would be the what ifs for that season. But I think without question, there's going to be more wows from the Utah people when they remember this season than what ifs. Amen. Yeah. I, I think if you watch them week one, nobody, even our friends over at bet rivers Sportsbook, which is the presenting sponsor of this show, no one would have predicted that Utah could do what they've done since Cam Rising became the starter. I, I want to give you a list of some of the things that they've done. Uh, seven and one, of course, since he became the starting quarterback. The lone loss is the one that Ted referenced. They've averaged 38 points per game, which is tied for 11th best in the country, right? They've 
ran the ball for almost 240 yards per game, nine best in the country. On third down, almost 60%, second best in America. And defensively, 29 sacks, which is tied for fourth. And we saw the Oregon State game, and I still think to this day, the turning point in their season was that game because they got owned at the line of scrimmage in the game that we saw. And since then, they have risen up on both fronts with shuffling on the O-line, the defensive front led by the vets with Mika Tafua, and then the young guys, Van Fillinger and company. I look at this team, not only the favorite to win the league after what they did against Oregon. Again, go back to when Sam Darnold became the starting quarterback at SC. They beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl. They finished number three in the country. So you look at the rankings last night where Utah was, not even in the top 15. For everybody, if they're frustrated where they are, taking down the number three team in America, Utah fans, you'll be fine. You go win the next three games against a possible Michigan team, right? Um, if Michigan loses. You know, we'll see it. You know, the, the Rose Bowl is all about rankings and the CFP. They get to choose the most higher ranked teams. So who knows if it'll be the team that wins from the other side of the Big Ten or if it'll be the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. You go win that game. You're going to position yourself really well for next year. I always laugh. The only time the rankings really matter is at the end of the year. So as you said, don't don't panic right now. Just take care of business and going to be one of the greatest seasons in utah history if they take care of business yeah and i and i do think you know where i come down on this kind of stuff but i'm just looking utah was the third highest ranked three loss team and i was wondering if they would be second i knew texas a&m would be ranked higher a&m has a win over alabama and that's right now that's a great win uh, so their higher ranked three loss team wisconsin's the one that surprised me and I think, again, it just speaks to where the Pac-12 sits bluntly in the national scope. I'm looking, Utah wins that game in a decisive manner. They go up four, Oregon drops eight. Okay, that gives you a sense, actions, again, speak to where the Pac-12 in, in that room, which there are some Pac-12 people in that room, I understand, but the overall perception of the conference. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's... um. I went through that last night too, as I was watching it, like, okay, why are teams ranked higher than them? And I went back to my old uh, trusty college football play, playoff handbook. And, and I, I know you guys got a lot going on, but next August, uh, I'm gonna urge you, and I hope Jim Thornby's listening, you two gotta go do the mock CFP right. exercise. Yeah. It is awesome. And the way they vote is they vote in clusters of three teams. So they vote in these clusters of teams and then they say, all right, well, who from like if if you go one through three all right should should cincy at four jump in and then they vote on that and they talk about that and that's how they work their way all the way down the top 25. i got to imagine in the cluster of where utah is there was a lot of dialogue and again to michael's point they win if they continue to win if they win the pac-12 title they'll head in the final weekend likely in the top 10 and then we'll see what happens in the rose bowl but what i want i want to throw the, this discussion out for us We've been around this league for a long time. Like Kyle Whittingham, well, let's just talk about it, right? Like I think he gets a lot of – it's easy to like say Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, but I wonder if push came to shove, like if he really gets the just due that he he deserves. You think about him coming in. Ted, didn't you call USC Utah 
like year one against Lane. Didn't you guys have that game? Like yeah. the bad spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael was there with us. Yeah, that was the first. It was Utah's first game in the pack at the Coliseum. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you, What do you remember about that game? Because they, they should have won the ball game. Other, other than, of course, the bad spot. But you're thinking this team comes out of this conference. I'm going to tell you what we, because Michael and I were together. We back in the versus dear my heart era we did some utah games together when utah was in the mountain west and i'm going to tell you i remember my first few times i saw utah play my first thought kyle whittingham played at byu and he's coaching at utah how does that happen (laughs) i mean seriously knowing the passionate rivalry i mean as we all yogi you were part of it could you imagine usc hiring a ucla guy maybe their head coach ain't gonna happen well this is what happened in, in utah and Kyle Whittingham now, 16 years later, you stand up and say, the guy's been brilliant. He's been brilliant. There's buzz going around. Is he about ready to, to say that's enough at the end of the year? He's in his early 60s. Um, if they get to the Rose Bowl, that's clearly the grail for Utah football fans. You know, Since they've been in the league, they haven't been to a Rose Bowl. And the other thing that they've done that to me will be something I want to talk about, maybe not as much today as next week, ensuing weeks, it hit me again watching our Cal Stanford game Saturday. Yogi's going to, Yogi's, Michael, watch Yogi have a slight stroke when I say this. Recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Utah recruits. Kyle Whittingham and his staff recruit players to Utah. They reload. And that's something I think our league right now, conference together, short of. Uh, we saw a program Saturday in our game that we can talk about that right now needs a serious recruiting boost. Um, a program that's been really good and now needs it. And I'm saying Utah, I've never said that about Utah. The 10 years they've been in this conference, I've never once said, man, they've got to go out and get better players. Um, Especially on both sides of the line. Yeah, they, exactly. They've been phenomenal for, you know, as long as Kyle Whittingham has been there. Um, I got one note about that game. Because what, what I'll never forget is block punt. Yeah. Or sorry, block field goal attempt. And SC runs it back. That year they had the point of emphasis. Celebration before you got to the end zone would take the points off the board. Yeah. So they block the field goal, run it back. I'll swear for the rest of my career, there was not one official who ever raised their hands above their head to signal touchdown because the flags were thrown before they reached the end zone. <laughs> so no score penalty game over. So the line in Vegas, somebody won due to that score. An hour later, they looked through the film because SC was looking for style points for later on. They gave him the touchdown. Then the official score was SC had six more points, which threw the line the other way. So if you held on to your ticket, you would have won. So everybody won it on that day on that bet. So that's what I remember about that game. I wish I could have channeled my inner Al Michaels on that one. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine that? That would have, I mean, I mean, what would Scott Van Pelt have done with that? Uh, is forever. <laughs> Thankfully, he wasn't around then. I'm sorry, I'm gonna throw in one more thing because Yogi, you, you you clearly picked a scab here for me with Utah because it's a great call on your part. Um, I was around for a decade around Sunday football every week, and I know how highly the pros regarded the Utah program. And that's another one. And there are certain programs around the country. Wisconsin's another one. Iowa's another one. Yogi, your alma mater has been one. Pitt. Um, where the way, the way the game is played, 
the way it's coached slash taught appeals to the pros. They know they get a better pro ready or closer to pro ready player coming out of that program. And look at, at, I'm the first one is at the power five level. Every school should be that way. Every kid plays power five football has got in the back of their mind. They're dreaming of getting an NFL shot. So my point is Whittingham has done that at Utah and just look at the number of people that have been drafted, watch football on Sundays and look at the number of kids running around on the field that played at Utah. And that's another, to me, a huge compliment and proof of what we're talking about, the validity of what he's done there. Yeah. Hey, Yogi, how important to a recruit is NFL NFL success, getting guys the NFL success? I assume that's a – besides what the uniforms look like, because I've been told by coaches, that's number one. But how where on the top you know, three or four things we get guys to the pros? It's right below that. Yeah, it's – Paramount. And I think what they, what you've seen them do, it began with Jalen Johnson. He was their first like huge recruit, huge. They beat SC on him at the corner now starting for the bears. And then who'd they flip from Ohio state Clark Phillips two years ago. Right. And now that they've got cam rising, right. Who was a huge recruit out of high school, went to Texas transferred the quarterback thing has always kind of been the question. They got a guy now and they're going to recruit the next guy because cam rising We'll talk about at the end of the show. We're going to kind of predict a little bit. What do we think about our player of the year? Cam Rising is square in the dialogue for offensive player of the year. And it'll be fun to see how that shakes out. Um, I, I want to say one note on Kyle because there's rumors of, does he shut it down? There's rumors in LA of like, does he take SC, right? There's a lot of rumors around Kyle Winningham, which which I know Utah fans, sometimes it, it makes you nervous. You should like it. That means like, like you're having a lot of success. Um, the one thing we know about Kyle is that, man, and I, and I just think this because we have so many openings right now as head coaches, he's got a way about him. You know, and, and Ted, you use the word identity so well on our broadcasts. They've never wavered from that. That's right. They've never wavered from that. They never went for the quick fix with JCs. Now he's put brought some JCs in. They never went for the quick fix in the portal. They've brought transfers in, but he's vetted every one of them. Darren Carrington, the first one that comes to mind after he left the Oregon program. I mean, he's he's got a way about him that I think the players just fall in love with who he is and how he holds them accountable. And I believe this, I'm the young dad of the trio here, but accountability, maybe young kids don't like it, but you appreciate it as you get older. And I think this is a team, when you watch them, they've always been accountable. They've always had a discipline to them. They've had a toughness, a resiliency. And, and that's from him. That's, that's solely from him. And, and, I, and I would love to see them take a run this year. By the way, I'm, I'm teeing up Yogi because you said something so perfect now. I have asked as a Christmas gift this year, I want a t-shirt from my, say, I'm a young granddad. Okay. I hope <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so, something else about, about the Utah program, because since we're in a love fest here, but it's an, a deserved love fest, um, Utah and what Kyle Whittingham and his team have done at Utah is built a very comfortable place for players from Polynesian backgrounds. And hello, America. This is where a lot of football players are now coming from, particularly in the Western part of the country. We know this. We see it all the time. Big-bodied young men 
Many of them have rugby backgrounds in their families. So contact is not something they shy away from. And I, I went through this. I worked at Stanford for 13 years. Stanford, because of its academic prowess, has, has, has always been known as a very comfortable place for outstanding Nigerian student slash athletes to come go to school. For years, Stanford has been known as that. It becomes something that gets passed down through the, the, um, the grapevine. Hey, you want to be comfortable. You want to be around some people you can relate to and, and a place where you'll be accepted. You go to Stanford. Well, the same at Utah. And you see what that means in football. The number of brilliant and largely linemen, although they are other positions, but largely linemen. And that's a great credit. It's clearly something that in the, in the, in the football recruiting world, people from families of very Polynesian backgrounds know, hey, this is a good place to go. It's a good place to go. My kid's going to be good there, going to play football there and succeed there. And that's another great, you know, as, as we watch high school football change dramatically in our country, I live in a place in the Bay Area where it's changed dramatically in terms of who's playing and how many people are playing. Uh, that to me is val valuable. And that's a big tip to, to uh, Utah. All right, Utah, 19th in the recent CFP poll. They play Colorado, who will be out. Brennan Rice, Levante Chenault has entered the portal. Uh, we'll see about Nate Lamon, Guy Thomas. He's a game-time decision as well. I think we'd assume that Utah finishes the season with a win. Uh, all right, before we move on to the next topic, let me tell you a little bit about our partners over at BetRivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with BetRivers yet, now is the time. They're offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit, but what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. they got a new rush pay instant approval element, so withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable than ever before. With football season kicking off, get in on the action. Go to Bet. Excuse me. With football season almost ending, get in on the action. Go to BetRivers.com today, or download their BetRivers iOS app. Of course, be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, formerly known as the Civil War, Oregon bounce back opportunity. Oregon State undefeated at home. Jonathan Smith, the aforementioned in our eyes finalist for Coach of the Year, in Autzen. We've seen this go both ways, of course, in the actual game, but also, like, how do you feel about hangovers, right? Like, Oregon just had their national championship title pop. It ain't, it ain't happening, right, unless some crazy things happen over the next two weeks. Um, but even then, it's, it's, it's going to be hard, right? So what do you think about this game for, for, for the Ducks to, to start? Michael, you're our Shelby foot, so I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> well, I think the, it's amazing how quickly the narratives changed before, before the Utah game. It looked like Oregon would have much more on the line this week. Now it feels like Oregon State is the team that has much more on the line. They get a win. They still they have a chance to win the North, and all of a sudden just becomes – I just think Oregon State, in a way, has more to play for. And I think uh, I'll use a uh, financial term. You're not going to see a bounce back from Utah, or, or excuse me, you know, a bounce back from Oregon. I think you're going to see a dead cat bounce. I think they're going to play, they're going to play well early and then fade. Okay. When Molinari starts dropping financial terms in there, I keep <laughs> waiting for Tesla to roll in there. <laughs> oh, that's a dead, that is a dead cat waiting to happen. I, I that's know. my opinion on that. We'll see. Um, well, I mean, look, the, the, 
if there, my first reaction, Yogi, to that is if, if you have a hangover in a in a rivalry game, you've got bigger problems. <laughs> I mean, that that should cure everything right there. But I mean, the astounding thing of all this is Washington State. And I don't understand the tiebreak stuff, but somehow Washington State could get through this. <laughs> they lost yeah. to Oregon head to head, but somehow they get in. And 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 if if the right two combinations happen, the Cougs go to the champ. I mean, that's crazy. And you know, for all of the the incredible amount of emotional um, uh, support that's been thrown Utah's way for what they've dealt with with the loss of two players in the last year. You know, there has been nothing, and I'm not, no one's equating this stuff at Washington State. It's been a different disruption, but still a pretty massive one in the football sense. If they come out and get to a championship game, that's, that's amazing. And I'll stand up and say, again, I was, I love when people prove me wrong. Molinari tells me it happens regularly, but Jane Dolores proved me wrong. That's the most unheralded player in our league this year, without question. Every week, what that kid has done to compete and put his team in this position. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's since 2012, the Cougs have not won in the Apple Cup. And then that's what I think is so fun about yeah. this weekend, much like last weekend, right? Utah beats Oregon. So ASU knows that they don't have a chance to win the South. What do we see in Arizona State, Oregon State? I think it factors a little bit into your brain. You're like, all right, we can't win the title, right? Here we go, Apple Cup's on a Friday. If Washington State wins, yeah. For the beeves, there's even more juice in this ball game. And can you imagine, like, can you, can you, can you imagine? E either way, right? Um, and of course, if, if UW wins, then Oregon State is like, we have a real chance, like a legit chance to go to the net, to the, to the Pac 12 championship. So you're right, Ted, three teams in the mix right now. Here's the other thing I just say, guys, being, being the person that's been in this league for 90 years, the Rose Bowl is still the greatest single day of college athletics I've ever experienced in my life was calling a Rose Bowl game for one of the schools that was playing. It's phenomenal. And for, we just saw Cal on Saturday. I telling you, you have no idea how many Cal alums are, have lost, have passed and will not live again until Cal, Cal hasn't played in the Rose Bowl since 1959. Okay. I mean, for one of the charter schools in the pack, that's, that's the Chicago Cubs of the pack. Arizona has never gone to the Rose bowl game. They didn't get in the league until the seventies. So they're, they're in second place in that regard. But my point is it means everything. And so for Oregon playing in the Rose bowl game better mean everything. Yes. Their CFP shot is gone. That's okay. It's still the Rose bowl. It's awesome. And if, if Oregon treats it with anything less than that, the Beavers and the Cougs fans will trample over them, right? Because you know what it would mean to both of those schools. You know what it would mean. Yeah. It's going to be fun. All right, Michael, uh, we spent a little time with Jake Dickert. If they win, what do you think? I mean, he's, he's, he's interviewing on the job. I think he's – I don't – I know there's this pressure from the check writers to go get a name. <laughs> but – you have a, whether he wins or not, I think he's proven he can lead this team. And, you know, the next question is, can he recruit, which hopefully have, we'll have the chance to find out, but he can lead this team. And who do you have coming in? I always find it interesting. Fire the coach. Well, how about you have a plan to replace the coach before you fire the coach? 
And, and as we all know, getting somebody to come up to coach in Pullman is not the same as getting someone to come coach in LA. So I think if you've got somebody that's successful, that's doing a good job, that's providing excellent leadership for your team, you got to think twice about just going and trying to find a name, especially if you don't have someone committed. Uh, I, I just, I, I think the grass is always greener and hopefully I'm sure Pat China and his group will make a smart and intelligent decision, but there's a great option there right now. Here, here's something I'll throw out about that. Cause Michael, you just made, can I just say this? You know how Thanksgiving makes us all feel better. Michael, that was a great point you made. Man. Once in a while. <laughs> yeah. um, no, seriously. But it was, it's an excellent point. And here's, here's, here's two words I'll throw out about that. Kyle Smith. Pat Chun hired Kyle Smith as his men's basketball coach a couple of years back. Great hire. Unique person, unique methodology, which is Pullman. Guess what? It's unique. It demands that. And that was a, now I don't know if Kyle Smith's ever going to win the Pac-12 championship there. That's not my point. He was a terrific hire for Washington State. So is does Jake Dickert fit into that category uniqueness and obviously he has a head start on everybody in the process or does does Pat Chun have a Kyle Smith that he's identified outside that would be my point um uh, because I just think that job demands again look Leach <laughs> Leach is a lot of things Leach was good for Washington State because he was unique that was the part that made it work for him there and that's the, and I'm not saying you hire a leech clone. That's not my point, but somebody that is willing to operate in a different manner because you're not going to, as we all know, you can't recruit against Oregon and USC uh, in Pullman. It's just, it never has and never will happen. So you have to find a different way to do it. Yeah. I think the uniqueness in my eyes, to, to your point, Ted, is doesn't have to be like the last two head coaches there because their uniqueness was also personality traits, let yeah. alone scheme. I think the uniqueness is I want to be in Pullman versus I'm a rock star rising coach. I'll be there for three and I'm out, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I, that's where I think it, it, it fits for Jake Dicker. He loves it there. We talked to him last week in advance of their game against Arizona. Um, it'd be fun. It's going to be, there's a lot of intrigue in that ball game. And then you look at the scheme and it's this passing offense against the secondary. That's really good. So uh, can't can't wait to watch that. All right, real quick, I think we should hit on Justin Wilcox, Chip Kelly. That game is like under the radar, best game in the league this week. Uh, schematically, defensive mind of J-Dub. Of course, we saw what Chip did against UCLA or USC with Dorian going absolutely crazy in that one. And there's a lot of rumors right around Justin and, you know, does he take another job, right? The LA Times is calling for Chip Kelly to, to be done. Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff at stake in this game at, at night on Saturday. I guess, I don't know, what what did you think going into Saturday, this past Saturday? What did you think coming out of it about both of these teams? Because they both had offensive explosions. Cal looked, Cal looked dominant in our game. Um, I don't know how much of that was Cal and how much of that was Stanford's defense, hard to say. Um, but, you know, they absolutely dominated that game. I think it was a historic domination as far as uh, offensive production. Um, you know, they, they look very sharp. Their defense, their defense looked good. I think 
like you said, I think the UCLA Cal game is maybe the most interesting game on the plate. You never would have thought that. And will both or either of those coaches that are coaching that game be back in those positions next year? I think that adds a lot of intrigue to the game. If you, if I had to pick it, I think Cal, I, I like Cal. I like Cal that what was the number they hadn't beaten all the California schools since 1958. So, you know, remember Cal plays the following week too, the makeup SC game. So I don't know. I think I like Cal in that one for sure. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll try to throw all these things together into the pot here. Yo, um, UCLA, you know, if they win eight and four, I don't know how you dismiss a coach at eight and four. I, I just don't understand that. Um, to me, that would, that would indicate unrealistic expectations of your football program, given UCLA's history. And I'm not suggesting you settle, but if eight and four is ramping up, uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, clearly somebody has gotten to the LA Times because they have they decided weeks ago, no matter what, UCLA can win every game by 70 points. They've already made up their minds, and that's a hard thing to overcome in the perception battle, I understand. But uh, if, if UCLA wins eight and goes eight and four, I, I'm, I don't know how you make a change. Um, and the other factor being the market right now is pretty busy. And uh, now the market may be busy again every year. This may become, this may be the first of a precursor that pe- schools are going to change more frequently. I don't know that, but I know this year you're going to go out in a crowded marketplace to find a coach. Um, and, and I say this, I watched a lot of the UCLA USC tape and I was watching sideline. You watch how the players on that team react with chip. It seems like he has them. It seems like he has them. And that's something I watch a lot. Having been around and watching a lot of coaches get let go. Guys on that team seem like they're with them. Big thing. By the way, I love the way, Dorian, to me, I'm watching this tape, and I'm just watching this, and I'm thinking Chip Kelly was having Dorian Thompson-Robinson show the Sunday boys. I could play from the pocket. Now, USC's defensive effort was not very good, not, not masking that at all. But still, it wasn't DTR running all over the place and using his legs as we know he can do. This was DTR throwing from the pocket and launching and throwing and, and crushing a team. I, I watched this, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking there's a little bit of a, you know, answer some questions here, DTR, it's your day. All right, so now to Cal, quickly, um, uh, I thought the, the Cal, as Michael said, the Cal win was, we all saw it, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, what this means for Justin Wilcox and Berkeley going forward, who, who knows? Um, I was, I'm going to get back to my point, I was stunned by, at Stanford being a major fan of David Shaw and, and what his staff and what they've accomplished, unprecedented in the history of Stanford football, what they've done, I walk away going, their talent level needs help. That's the first time in years I've said that. And that, that at Stanford is a challenge. It, it has been forever recruiting at a private school with a high academic bar. That's a challenge. It's nothing new, but that's something to me, the, the watch their defense play the way it did Saturday. That's, they, they just, they need they need a good recruiting year. Let's put it that way. Um, and I'll say, and I'll finish this up. I was with uh, because I live in the Bay Area, and I was around a bunch of Cal alums. I think pretty good Cal alums Sunday, and a couple of them came up to me and said two things. One is, man, you didn't sound like a Stanford Homer, which I try to keep reminding them. I worked for Cal at one point too, but that's a long thing. And the other thing they said is, your partner Yogi is good. I'm not kidding. That's what they said. And I said, well, you know, he's a hell of a producer. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I agree. Did, 
I don't know. Did they comment on the Gatsby crowd? Because that was my favorite moment <laughs> of that game. Ninety-three-year-old <laughs> Ed Archer. We found out later. That's by the right. way, yeah, yeah you should, who, if, somebody told us that. That was. I wish yeah. we had known that because I I didn't know if they were you know late Halloween costuming or if that was legit. He's uh Google him Ed Archer. He's in the Bay Area. There's a great article on him as a 93-year-old who races Model Ts at Laguna Seca. It's a fascinating <laughs> article. He's like a big car guy and into authentic clothes, as you can see. So yeah, um, that was pretty cool. Well, I did, but they did, tell me, but they, they did say, Yogi, the, the Cal fans love you. So I'm just one that was honest to God truth. And I was really happy to hear that. Oh, thanks, man. Well, uh, real, real quick, I'll button up some of those things. I think for UCLA, I'm with you. When Chip took it over from Jim Mora, I get the success that Jim had, but Chip also had a program with players that were fractured, right? Whether they didn't want to be there, they thought they should be there, they had medical issues. They had 57 scholarship players available when they beat USC in year one. And I said this on Saturday night on the Pac-12 Networks. When you go to a game, you drive with four buses. The first year when they beat SC, they had two buses because that's the amount of players they had. Now they have four buses, they have the players and they have buy-in and they finally, in my opinion, have a really clear path towards success. And Ted, you're right. Eight wins, nine wins. Come on, man. Like you, you got to feel good about the rebuild or do you just want to start over? Like, I, I just think that um, where they're at is a really healthy place. I think even the players that say chips evolved too. They've gotten to know him in a different level yeah. than they did when he came in there and he's having a great time. I think when uh, we look at Cal, I got. I think that they got a chance to win this game because they don't let people run the ball. They have the least amount of 10-plus yard runs in this game. So Dorian's going to have to play from the pocket and deal in this game for UCLA to win. He can do it. I like just the way that Chase Garbers in this offense has been playing. Um, it'll, it'll be, it'll, it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'll say, SC, this, I'll say this real quick. I'm sorry. Chase Garbers will never have to ask for a job in Berkeley. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, that's another thing I was confirmed over the weekend. Two big game wins at Stanford. He's locked. Yeah, he's locked. Um, SC job, UW job, uh, Wazoo job. Stay tuned to your alerts on your phones over the next 10 days or so. Uh, and all the names are in play, whether it's Dave Aranda, Dan Quinn, Brent Brennan, Justin Wilcox, Matt Campbell, Jay Norvell, for all these jobs, right? Everybody's interviewing the same, same amount of people. One name's off the board, right? Go ahead. James oh yeah, Franklin. yeah, James Franklin. Yeah, geez, good for him. Ten Sandy year Barber got paid. Ten yeah. year contract. I, I was like, I, is that say ten? That's it. You know what's crazy to all the fans listening? I think we need to recognize the reality we're in. Where if a coach is there for five or more years, you're lucky. Absolutely. Like, I mean, look look at Florida and UCLA for a second. Chip turned down Florida to take UCLA. Dan Mullen's out. Right. Like just so we're clear on like what is reality in college football, like and, the long term. And let, let me chime in here, as you know, I'm want to do. Um, but that goes to your Pullman point. See, I, I'm I'm different because I, I and again, I worked at Stanford a long time where Stanford had a hard time keeping coaches um, for a long period of time. And I said, that's OK. If they're coming to hire your coaches, that means your program's in a good place. And to me, I, that would be one of the things I would be looking at as a head coach assessing my own staff. Are people coming to hire my assistant coaches? They better. And if they're not, then that's something I'd have to look at also. So my point back to Washington state is look, Washington state, Tony Bennett was 
phenomenal basketball coach at Washington State. He actually stayed one year longer than most people thought he would, but eventually you knew he was going to go to a, a, another job. That's okay. I don't think Washington State would trade that for anything. Those years were so good. And so to me, going back to hire a coach, I want to hire a guy who's on the way up. And if he gives me four or five really good years then they, that, and then someone plucks him, that makes my job look pretty good. So I may be warped in the way I look at it, but that is honestly, from all my experience, the way I look at that. Amen, man. Amen. Um, real quick, guys, we, we've got the Territorial Cup. I referenced player of the year on offense earlier. Cam Rising is a chance. Rashad White is probably in the dialogue. Tavion Thomas is in the dialogue. Uh, what, what do you think about this game? What do you, I guess, what are you most anticipating in this ball game with Jed Fish against Herm Edwards and battled program where both teams have struggled this season, as we know, but you know, this rivalry is, is unique in its own right. I, I want to see how Arizona players come out and respond to last year's beatdown. Yeah. They got to drive by a billboard that has the score. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Um, so I, I just think they, those first, the first couple of series, I think you're going to know, is this going to be a game or is this going to be another ASU beatdown? That's what I think. I think Arizona, how do they respond those first couple of series? And I think they play with the fire that it's hard to believe they won't. Uh, this could actually come down to a pretty competitive game. I just think there's a lot, there's a lot of personal pride at stake for the Arizona team after last year. And, uh, you know, Did I think you, they're going to stop and look at the billboard is what you, I hear. So that you must be have, pretty, you must have read the Arizona press release. Were you used? <laughs> so we're, you know, we're in a slogan. Everybody has to have a slogan here. I get that. So Arizona's press release this week of football, it says it's personal on every personal. page. Yep. So I'm going to channel because my good friend, he's passed on, but I knew him years ago, mean Gene Okerlund. Like I just hear him going right now, Saturday afternoon in Tempe, everybody in Tucson says it's personal. And I could just hear him saying that. So I hope if Arizona does take it personally, what happened to them last year, even though Jed Fish and his staff were not a part of this, a lot of the players were, support staff was, students, you know, everybody was part of that. If they take it personal, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because we know Arizona State's a heavy favorite. Everybody sees that. Um, ASU can't play for the conference championship game any longer. They're going to be in a decent bowl game. That, you know, how important is that to them? Those are the questions we we don't know the answer to answers to until Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I, I my gut says we're going to have a great game. You know, there's a lot of scheme and stuff. You know, who's playing, who's not, all those things. But I can't wait to watch Jaden Daniels. Is it his final game? Right? What's going to go on on the other side of the ball? Will Plummer, like he's one of the tougher guys we've seen this year, play the position. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast. Um, all right, before we get to our humanity moment of the week, a quick message from our sponsors over at BetterHelp. Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness? If there is, I want to let you know about BetterHelp. It's professional help done securely online. Please check out betterhelp.com uh, slash TBS. BetterHelp will assess your individual needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist to allow you to connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient you can start communication in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's an avenue to accessing professional therapy without having to sit in, in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp has licensed professionals who specialize in depression, 
stress, anxiety, as well as relationship and grief counseling. You can message your counselor at any time and get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Find the particular expertise you need online. Do not limit yourself to the counselors located near you and do it in a manner that is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you want to start helping your life and be happier if you need it, uh, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com yogi. Join over the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash yogi today. And I want to say, Mike, before I pass it to you, I just interviewed Joey Harrington for the It Factory podcast. And we went really deep on mental health and what he went through in his career. It'll come out on signing day week uh, because I think it's really critical that week to talk to this generation of athletes who are signing. Uh, but it's amazing. Um, make sure you subscribe and ch check that out as well. So, Michael, uh, I'll kind of pass it over to you. Yeah, no, I think it's great athletes like Joey and you know, Kevin Love are coming out and trying to say that this is not something to be ashamed of. This is something that's normal. And I think it's, I think it's great. Those guys are, uh, have the courage and I'm using courage in a word when I actually mean it, not courage of throwing a deep ball for a touchdown. It's courageous of what they're doing to share their mental health struggles with everybody else. So thank you. Thank you guys for that. Thanksgiving. One of my favorite definitions the celebration over, of overconsumption without concern for the consequences. What could be more American than that, by the way? Um, but it's not just that. It's a time to have gratitude and appreciation. And I think those two, those two thoughts and emotions are kind of the cornerstone of humanity. So I thought it was a good time to talk about what I'm thankful for. Um, number one, uh, tomorrow, everybody in this country is going to have the opportunity to get together with family again. And it's been far too long. I've even heard people say they're excited to go see their in-laws. So that tells you it's been far too long. <laughs> um, and worldwide, because everybody doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, but the holidays coming up next month, the entire world's going to get a chance to get back and make those vital connections. And I don't think, I think everyone on this planet should be thankful for that. And I am too. Um, on a personal note, my teenage daughters have just been through this pandemic and it's, this generation is really going to be affected by this. And yeah. the strength and courage they've shown has been inspirational. And it's really been, their strength and determination is admirable. And my wife too, for the, her support of them through this. So for all the teenagers, moms and parents out there, I thank you for getting through this. Um, and then what am I thankful more on a professional level? I looked it up, 28 years. I've been able to say my job is to cover sports. My job is to cover sports. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. And I guess as we make the turn from football to basketball to sad time is our group, uh, kind of has the last one this week. But I personally am thankful that I get to go from the energy, enthusiasm of Yogi Roth to the energy enthusiasm of one William Walton. And I go from how great is ball to thank you for your life. Mm -hmm. And Ted, what could be better than that? Amen.
Amen. Michael, that's so well said. And I'm, I'm going to um, resist the temptation because you open the door when Molinari and overconsumption get used in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> but it's Thanksgiving week. And, and that's what I think. And, and, and we have our last game coming up, depending on when people are listening. Our last game is Saturday, Arizona, Arizona State. And, and we have um, just we have a fabulous crew from Yogi through Michael, through Scott Barkey, our director, all the way through Sam Paul, everybody. We have a fabulous crew. And it's just it makes football season fun. Uh, and, you know, the games are a luck of the draw each week. We've had better luck this year than most. We've had better games this year from our conference schools than many other years. That's good luck for us. I'm happy about that. And, uh, and exactly, that's what we're thankful for. And you know what? In-laws, kids, I'm going to say this. Everybody, because last year's Thanksgiving was altered. I know our families talked about this. You know, whether you're vaxxed slash boosted or not. You know what? If you're getting together with a big group, it's not a bad idea. Go get, go get some rapid tests in the morning. And uh, we've talked about this within our family, too. Just to put everybody's mind at ease for Thanksgiving Day, not a bad idea. Amen, man. Humanity moment. It gets me every time. I mean, I, I can't wait to, for Hayden to put just one episode of those back to back, man. Uh, I can we're, wait. We're, we're, we're going to get that. That's a, that's I hope, hopefully some heavy editing from Hayden before but we very do quickly, that. So what is what is the Yogi Amy Thanksgiving table going to look like? Well, it's going to be a lot of in-laws, right? To, to Michael's point and looking forward to it. He's smiling, uh, Michael. Look at him. He's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to have a nice little combination. I've been challenged. Uh, and I'm sure some of you have dealt with this. Uh, I'm going to make a pumpkin pie from the pumpkin on our front porch. Ooh. But my wife also bought a backup in case I screw it up. So <laughs> my challenge today after our coaches call with Arizona is to crush the pumpkin pie with the family. You guys will get a report because uh, we will be taking the family to Tempe. All of us, baby included, will be at the game. Nice. So, if Ted, if I don't have, you know, if I can't find that word on Saturday, help me out. I might be sleep deprived. I don't know what the hotel is going to be like on Friday night. We'll, we'll see what happens, man. Let's, let's Mackay, just make sure the word isn't infamous. No. <laughs> but my, can Makai track third downs for me? That's what I wanted to yeah. know. Yeah, he's a great spotter. He's a Perfect. great spotter. <laughs> All right. I, happy it's going to be great to see your fat Yogi so, and Michael, you too. You, you guys have fabulous families. And, uh, and Michael, you said it so well, so I'm not stepping on. But enjoy Thanksgiving. Hug everybody. Because someday you will be like me, a young grandpa. Oh. I love you guys. I love you guys. All Happy right. Happy Thanksgiving to Mary, too. All right. Amen to that. See ya. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.